Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Ephesians chapter 4, and as I said a few weeks ago, I guess I should get to Ephesians, we began talking about this fivefold, and what I want to break down a little bit more today is over the years, I would say over the past 40 to 50 years, we have really, maybe even longer than that, we are such sensational cultural people. In many ways, we're following the culture of this world, and we're looking at all of these roles of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and we're looking. Now you can get onto YouTube, and you can find anybody you want in a moment's time, anything that really tickles your fancy. You want to learn about eschatology, what it means, and what's going to happen in the end, if it's going to be before, pre, mid, post, if you want to learn about the Old Testament, or you can find a teacher that you like that says the things that you want to hear. And so we have become, maybe intentionally or unintentionally a people that keeps heaping up for ourselves teachers because we have itching ears. But the truth is, these gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they are given and they are just roles. They're just functions. They're not titles. They're not people for us to idolize. They are roles and they are functions. And Jesus himself gave us these gifts and roles and functions for a reason. And so as we move forward into this new year, I sense the Lord so strong on that. So today, our study is going to start by doing a quick overview of the fivefold, build on what Pastor Zach and the rest of the team brought us several weeks ago, and then move into how that plays out for us as the body of Christ. Because if you didn't know, we are the body of Christ. And there's only one head, and his name is Jesus. We're all the body. Even if you find yourself in a role and function of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you're still just part of the body. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We need to move these people off of pedestals while so-and-so says this, and I follow so-and-so. Let me tell you who you sound like. You sound like the church at Corinth that Paul was writing to. And the church at Corinth said, well, I'm of Apollos. He's a great orator. And some said, well, I'm of Paul because he came and established. And others said, well, I'm of Peter. And so Paul says to them, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Peter? They're mere workers of ministry. One sows another waters, but God gives the increase. We're so focused on the person we see standing in front of us or the great orator on the screen who can move our heart. Listen, is it a gift? Yes, it's a God-giving gift, but that is not the thing. That is not the focus. It's supposed to bring us back to Christ who is head. None of us are head. We're all part of the body. Now look at your neighbor to your right and say, you're a part of the body. And look at your neighbor to the left and say, you're a part of the body. In the old school church days, we would do this all the time. How many of you remember? Turn to your neighbor on the right and turn on your left. So let's get into breaking this down to take a little bit of a look here. So if you would go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse 7. And when you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. it. You're so good, Pastor John. 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Two words I want to highlight here, grace and measure. Grace is not just unmerited favor here. Grace is empowerment. So Christ has given us empowerment. We have empowerment by unmerited favor to do the thing that the Lord desires that we do. And the other point I want to draw here is that according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, how much did Jesus give? All. He gave it all. And so as we keep reading here, it says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is Jesus. So I want to paint this picture for us here so we can get an accurate understanding. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has walked about. He has appeared to more than 500 people. He's made himself known. Thomas has already touched him. The disciples have already received. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they had their rejuvenation, their born-again experience. But then before Jesus ascends, he says to them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. For not many days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. You can read this in Acts chapter 2. And so I want you to catch this picture because it says right here, as he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So these gifts we're about to see are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But the image I want you to catch is as Jesus is ascending, the fullness of who he is. Jesus is the full apostle, the full prophet, the full evangelist, the full pastor, the full teacher. It's all in him. And so for the function of us being left here on earth, he gave us not only his Holy Spirit, but these gifts. He emptied himself and gave these gifts. They're a gift to the body. Well, if they're a gift to the body of Christ and to the church, to the bride of Christ, then we ought to know what these gifts are for. But here's the point I want you to see. Verse 9, now this he also ascended. What does it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He descended He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And verse 11, and he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, one word you may have never seen there before, highlight it, underline it, mark it up, make it speak in your Bible. Everybody say it, some, some. We get so hung up on this group that we've decided is an elite group. That's not what we're about to see. We're the ones that have heaped up these gifts and said, oh, they're the apostle. Or maybe some of themselves have said, I'm the apostle. I'm the bishop. I'm the pastor. Come on, some of the churches we have come from, we've been very pastor-teacher-centric. And as a result, we're spinning around and celebrating and idolizing an individual rather than understanding these gifts were meant for the body. And so Jesus has given these gifts, but he's given some. And I want that to hit us. I want that to hit us and say, oh, wait, so maybe I'm not? Yeah, that's okay. 
these aren't the only gifts available. It's okay that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. We all have a place in his body. These gifts, they are not points of elevation to be lifted up for everybody to idolize. They are the lowest place of serving in the kingdom of God. Jesus said... That in the world, you leaders, you, you lord it over each other. But it's not so in my kingdom. I didn't come to be served, Jesus said. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so if you desire to follow me, and if you truly, truly, truly desire to be the greatest, then you should become servant of all. And so when we understand that Christ is the head, guys, it doesn't matter who might fit in the apostle role or the prophet role or the evangelist role or the pastor and teacher role. None of it really matters other than if we're submitted to receive because Christ is still the head. It doesn't matter how good any of us really are, but we do need to be the best part of the body that we can be. So let's keep reading here. Now let's start asking the question, why why did Jesus empty himself of these gifts and give them to the body? You're about to see right here. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints. The role of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher as a service role and function. Guys, these we may refer to them sometimes, and some people may refer to them sometimes as offices, but never is it supposed to be this title, this accolade, these things that follow that individual. It is an office or a role, more specifically, a function. And that functional role has a purpose. And part of it is to see to it that the body is built up. To see to it that the body of Christ achieves its fullness and stature, as we're about to read. See, we, we've gotten off a little bit here, and we look at apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, and we say, okay, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we always had a Salvation Sunday. Do you guys remember Salvation Sunday, for those of you? Wow, crickets. Nobody knows what a Salvation Sunday is. Well, let me take you to school. In the old days, we had Salvation Sunday. And Salvation Sunday was we'd have all these cool, especially in kids' ministry, we'd have all these great little things, bikes, and back then we didn't have iPads and all these different things. We had bikes, everybody went on a bike, whatever it was. And then we would try to go out and get our friends and bring them to church. And why did we want them to come to church? Because we wanted them to hear the pastor. Why? Because the pastor was going to tell them about Jesus. All the while, we have the gospel inside of us all the time, but we've been trained. Oh, I can't share the gospel. That's the role of the evangelist, so I should bring them to the evangelist. Oh, I can't help people. I need to bring them to the church. They need to meet the pastor. The pastor is a man. They need to meet Jesus. And the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. 
You and I have the same spirit of God. But guys, this is the problem with building up these gifts and idolizing them and esteeming them so high. They're just roles. They're just functions. And in fact, the apostle is not just the one who sees the vision and sees the bigger picture. The apostle helps us all see the vision and see the bigger picture. We've gotten it a little twisted. See, the prophet is not just the one who hears and proclaims. He or she is the one who helps us all hear and proclaim. The evangelist is not just the one we have a tent meeting for or have a special evangelism service where we bring all our unsaved friends and they can all hear the evangelist because he knows the gospel better than anybody. No! The evangelist helps us all see the lost and hurt and broken world and helps us reach them. He or she helps the body, builds the body up. They're not the one we're bringing people to. The only one we're bringing people to is Jesus. Sure, these gifts exist, and they do exist for a reason, but it's for building up the saints for the work of the ministry. The pastor is not just the one shepherding the body and caring for the body. He's the one who's teaching us all how to care for the body, how to watch out, be hospitable, how to be caring for one another. The pastor does that. The teacher is not just the great orator like Apollos who's communicating. The teacher, the teacher helps us all understand and effectively communicate the word of God. Don't, don't give me this rubbish that, oh, you don't know the word. It's hard to understand. No, it's not. You have, I have, the Holy Spirit inside of me and you, and he was there when every little jot and tittle was penned. He breathed the inspiration for the word of God. So we have teachers and we have school of the spirit to help us understand we can understand. And now, because we understand, we can be effective. We can communicate effectively. That's it. That's it. So these roles, they exist. They're functions. And so as we move a little forward here, I want you to go to verse 13. Verse 13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now what I want you to understand here is the scripture says till. We might say until. These gifts, they're just for earth. They're just here on earth. I keep looking around at this room, and what's crazy is you're all sitting, and you're all at different heights, but you're all the same. We're all people. I'm standing up here, but I'm no different than anybody else. We are all a part of the same body, and whatever our role and our function is, it has been given for the benefit of all, for the benefit of everybody. And how important it is for us to understand what this passage is saying right here until we all come to the unity of the faith. Guys, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is driving us towards unity. 
so that we can achieve the fullness of the stature of Christ. Because let me tell you something, Christ's body is not divided. The body of Christ is not divided. And I wanna bring us down to a few different passages here. So verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So part of what happens with this fivefold ministry is they are focused on bringing maturity to the saints. And part of maturing is understanding some of the next passages here. I want you to see this. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, part of what we learn, we learn at home. Mom and dad, hopefully in a healthy family, mom and dad are teaching and leading and correcting. And I'm going to tell you what I told the first service is that this past Christmas, um, you know, older parents, mine aren't old, but like older parents who don't have kids at home anymore, they can really get themselves anything they want for Christmas, right? You don't need to like get your parents. I can't buy anything for my parents that's of any worth and of any value. They can buy one 10 times better. They just have that much more disposable income. It's one of the weirdest parts of life. It's like, we need the disposable income. We have all the kids. We have everything going on. You've got it all. They say, we worked for it. I'm like, oh, that's the secret. Okay. So I can't give my parents anything. So I felt the Lord put it on my heart to write a love letter. And as I began to pen this letter to my father, it hit me. It has taken me way too long to realize what Hebrews 12 is talking about, that a father and the father corrects the ones he loves. He actually delights in the son in whom he corrects. And it hit me. Wow, all these years, dad, my earthly dad, I've been rejecting your correction because I didn't know you actually find delight in me. I was twisted up from the enemy. Therefore, I was rejecting God's correction for so long because I didn't realize he was correcting me because he finds delight in me and he wants me to be the best part of his body that I can be. Just like we go to the gym and we work out certain parts of our body that we want to see get stronger. You don't hate your leg and calf muscles. You hate doing the exercises because you can't walk the next day, but that resistance training that you're doing is producing stronger legs for you. All the young guys, man, something hits young guys about 15 years old. They start looking at their chest and they start looking at their arms. And they're like, man, I don't know. I don't look like the rest of the photos. And all the guys, they go to the gym and they start real, real young. And they start with just buys and tries and, and, and the chest, the pecs, right? So they get all these weird looking guys, right? Skinny legs, big upper body, lots of muscle. But all they care, all they care is that they can see it, right? They can see it. We get so focused on all these things, but every part of the body needs to be developed. And that's why these different gifts exist. It's all supposed to bring maturity. Now, that's all fine and dandy, as long as it takes a while to realize 
that somebody in authority would speak the truth and love to us for our benefit. But the moment we start realizing that those who are bringing correction to us, as long as they're bringing it in love, I can receive it. It's way more palatable. But the moment we begin to speak the truth and love to one another, now we're treading on dangerous territory. Because now who are you to tell me? Don't you know who I am? Now let me just kind of show you some things here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul, who also wrote Ephesians, is now bringing us to this part here. So we spent a little bit of time this morning talking about the fivefold ministry, and really it's to build up the saints, which we're all a part of. We're building up, we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. But if Christ is the head and we are the body, literally, literally, part of the imagery that Paul is giving us is a physical body. And I want you to see this here. So if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'd like you to go to verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I'm going to read it again because it needs to sink down. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I want you to see a whole body here where Christ is head. Nobody else is the head. I want you to see shoulders, chest, hands, arms, legs, torso, everything, feet. God himself has set each member in the body as he has pleased. And we make, we get into a lot of trouble through the sin of comparison and judgment. But let me tell you something. Your little toe is not at war with your hand. Your little toe is not stuck inside of the shoe, under the sock, or in the high heels, which probably doesn't like, in the heels saying, I can't stand that hand. He's always out there. He's just like, there. Why do I have to be covered? I don't, wait, I come out in the shower? You put socks over me? Like, what's the deal? Your body, think about what Paul is saying to us. Paul is actually saying, and I'm going to show you so you don't think I'm crazy, Paul is giving us the image of the body. We've already established that the goal is not apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and to heap up for ourselves these awesome titles or to look at people who have these titles. Those are roles and those are functions, and those are to help to mature the saints who are all a part of the body. There's only one head, and that is Christ. And so as we're part of the body, we actually have to learn to work with one another. Can you imagine, as you're the young guy, going to the gym? Now, most of you realize you have a dominant part of your body, right? Because there's one part of your body you've been working for longer. If you're left-handed like me, you're always in your right mind, which is why I don't understand the rest of you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, back in the day, they wouldn't let people be left-handed. I don't understand why. Something about the right hand. But... If you're at the gym and you don't do the equal training, you're going to end up super lopsided. And this is part of the problem. You have to work every part of the muscle. So I want you to see this here. Just remember the first part I said. God himself 
put you. I want you to see yourself. Man, I feel the Lord so heavy on this right now because we've spent way too much time comparing ourselves with each other. Mom and dad always said you have to compare apples to apples. You can't compare apples and oranges or apples and banana. So why would a foot be comparing with a hand? And why would an eyebrow be comparing to this beautiful, luxurious hair? You don't want me to see have beautiful hair and then have no eyebrows or have like a dent in my eyebrow because these guys decided not to show up for work one day. Nobody wants that. A normal, healthy body should function with the wholeness. So look at this. We, we, I'll just bring you to the scripture first here. All right. Go to verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Guys, let's just park right here. How many of us come into a church and we might see a worship team or we might see a pastor, a prophet, we might see all these different things taking, taking place in a service and we're like, that ain't me. I barely got up. Last night was New Year's, and I just made it here. <laughs> I just made it here. I don't know much about this, but I'm trying. I'm trying. We think, I must not be part of this. No. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? No, that's absurd. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? And here's where we get, verse verse 18. But God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. Listen, if If the only one who's really going to reward and give judgment at the end is God, and God has decided that you would suit the body best being a toenail, why not just be the best toenail that ever existed? But I'm always covered. And then I don't get enough sunlight, and then fungus can grow on me. Why don't you just be the best toenail ever? Because the only one that's really going to reward is God. It doesn't matter if anybody else sees how beautiful your toenail actually is. God knows he set it in the body. In fact, if you find yourself being the little toe, rejoice, you're the little toe. You keep everybody on balance. If you didn't have that little toe, you'd be off. You'd be off. Let God reward and let God be the judge because he will reward you according to how you did your job with what he gave you. Not what you did with somebody else's. The foot should never try to be the hand. Just be the best you, the best part of the body. Not the best you, the best part of the body that you can be. Be it because that's what God made you. So we have this first problem of comparing. Christ has no division in his body. We're comparing ourselves as if we're part of a separate body. But we're not. We're not. There's no division in Christ's body. So when we start looking at others and comparing ourselves and thinking ourselves either better than or less than, we're actually taking the place in the seat of the judge and we've decided we know best. 
The other problem is not just comparison and backing off. The other problem is esteeming yourself better than other parts. Because you're so visible. The hand, he's always out there. Everybody gets to see him. Remember, nobody's the head. Christ is the head. But how many of you know the most important members that you have are discreetly covered? The most important members that we have as part of our body are discreetly covered. And in fact, the ones that nobody ever sees unless we're dead in the morgue is super protected. Our heart and our mind completely enclosed and protected because it should be. And you want your heart to do the best and be the best possible heart it can be. So why are we looking at others and saying what the scripture says right here? Can you go to verse 21? Because we already dealt with the comparison. Now let's talk about the judgment. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Let me tell you something. I could have been born on a pew. I've been in church every single week of my life, save five years of rebellion, but I've been in church my whole life. And one thing that continues to blow my mind is meeting Christians who have read through these new covenant teachings that we have been given by Jesus, by Paul, by Peter, etc., read through these scriptures and come to this conclusion. Well, I love them, but I don't have to like them. I don't like them. I'll just love them. I have a question for you. Who told you that? Who told you you could love but not like? Did you just cut off your right arm? I hate that arm. You know what? I'm left-handed. I don't need this right arm. I, I have a dominant left hand. I'll do everything with my left arm, my left hand. I don't need, I don't have any need of you. And I rework my whole life so I never have to address this arm. Guess what? All I've done is tuck it behind my back. I'm deceiving myself. It's still a part of the body. I'm the one that's walking away. And I'm the one that's cast judgment. And I'm the one that's decided I don't need that part. Listen, the very thing you think you dislike about that person may be the very thing that God is using to make you a better arm, hand, foot, brain, heart, whatever it is. Why are we looking at the members of Christ's body? Who are we? The only thing we've been doing is we've been listening to the lies of the enemy. Who are we as members to say, I don't need you? Listen, anytime, anytime, what if your brain just decided to not show up to work for, day, for, work, for work today because it was irritated with the tongue. How's that day gonna go? How's that gonna work? What if your feet just decided not to show up for work because they've had it? You drag them around everywhere, you never give them a break. You don't even look at them. You don't even massage them. I'm done. I'm done. You'd be a floppy mess. Anytime... Anytime, in fact, look at this. Anytime the heart 
is not pumping blood correctly throughout the body, or the brain is not sending electrical impulses and signals to the rest of the body to cause it to function through the nerve endings, there's a problem, and we take you to the doctor so you can be whole and well. Why? Because it's supposed to function healthy and normally. So why, if we're a part of Christ's body, do we think that we could cut off another member of his body and say, I actually don't need you? Who made you judge and jury? If God has set that member in the body and they're rubbing you the wrong way, a better position might be, Lord, I'm really irritated by that person. But the truth is, that means there's something in me. Because nobody has that authority in my life unless I give it to them. But something needs to change. Um, I'm sorry, why don't you love and let God change? Don't you appreciate when God loves and other people love you and God changes? We are looking, and sometimes we're like, oh, okay, we follow this same track of thinking. I'm telling you, I've, I've been in church my entire life. I've been around a bunch of people, and they live by this false doctrine. I can love them, but I don't have to like them. You show me in the scripture where that exists. You show me in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who bled and died and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The problem with offense is that we have to peel back the natural layer and we have to see in the spirit because the truth is the scripture teaches us that had they known Jesus was the son of God, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory which is how Jesus could say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So when that person in the body of Christ cuts you off on the way into church or snubs you when you're walking in and you want to rile up and turn on them, or better still, when somebody has offended you and they have wounded you and they have hurt you, the truth is we are not justified. Friends, hear me. We are not justified separating ourselves from that person in the body. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, we've kind of put it together. We think about seven times in the day we should forgive our brother. About seven times. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, not seven, but 70 times seven in a day. Just to boot, in a day to model the idea that it's endless. Why are we, why are we, who are a part of the same body, fighting, bickering, snubbing, feeling justified, turning our back? Can I just tell you something? Simple truth, we were all raised with it. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people, so follow me for a second. My left hand is my dominant hand, and I'm swinging away at the hammer. And sometimes, sometimes, when I miss, I hit my thumb. Now, I don't all of a sudden say, you stupid thumb. How could you be there? Didn't you know I was swinging a hammer? What's wrong with you? God. No. Every part of my body, oh, oh. Why, because if one part suffers, the whole part suffers. If one part glories and rejoices, the whole part glories and rejoices. Guys, if it works with our natural body, the fullness of the stature of Christ that we're supposed to mature to is this place right here. 
This place right here where we're not trying to be anything. In fact, Paul says in Philippians that we ought to esteem each other as better than ourselves. So one of the final things I want to leave us with today is a few years ago, and this is not like big and dramatic, but a few years ago, the Lord had given me a dream. And I really feel like this dream encapsulates everything that the Father is touching here. But I just want you to, if you could see what I see right now, I just want you to look around the room. We're over 100 members of the body of Christ that exists worldwide. And we're all the saints of God, and one day we'll all be there. And the truth is, I want to say this. If somebody just annoys you and you really wish that they could be cut off and you wouldn't have to deal with them, that's a personal issue first and foremost that God needs to deal with. So if you can position yourself like we all have to, we have to position ourselves to hear from the Lord. And one secret is to start praying, God, how do you see them? How, how do you see them, Lord? That's the first. Now the second is somebody who has really wounded you. What do I do? What do you do if somebody in the body of Christ has hurt you and has wounded you? First and foremost, you need to deal with that personally with the Lord. You need to forgive and release. You need to forgive personally before you ever say a word to that person. You need to forgive and personally release. But the scripture says in Matthew 18, Jesus has given us the model. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault to his face. And if he won't hear you, go and take a brother because on the basis of two or three witnesses, a truth will be established. And still, if he won't hear you, tell it to the church. So we're actually given a model of how to deal with offense and forgiveness. Forgiveness starts here first, but then we are to be reconciled because for the rest of my life, I'm gonna need this whole body to work so that I can accomplish the work of ministry that God has given me. And guess what? For the rest of our journey here on earth, whether you realize it or not, or are willing to accept it, we all need each other. That gift that's inside of you, we're not gonna be the same if you don't offer it up. And if you're too shy because you've been wounded, then you need to forgive and you need to release. And maybe that forgiveness requires you to say something to somebody, but pray it through. Don't just do that today. Don't just walk around to all the people today and say, man, I've really been thinking about this you for years. And I want to tell you, right, that's not going to work. It's not going to help anybody. But as we move into this time of communion, you know, Paul, he actually says that many are sick and weak and among you, and, and some have really fallen asleep and passed away. Why? Not rightfully discerning the Lord's body. We keep thinking, oh, the Lord's body. I have to think about what Jesus did on the cross as we take communion. Oh, Lord, yeah. But we also have to examine ourselves and how we're considering the rest of his body. Christ, all of us, his body. That's what Paul is talking about. Eating of the table in an unworthy manner because you still have awe and offense with a brother or sister in Christ and you haven't released it. So, in just a few moments, I told you I would share the dream. I'm going to do it real quick. 
I saw soldiers standing by watching, soldiers standing by watching as a commander and a subordinate were fighting. I heard a narrator speak out. We were fighting each other until we realized we had a common enemy. All of a sudden, the ground began to shake and each man, including the two who were fighting, ran for cover. Each man found his place standing next to the column inside this large portico. As the subordinate was taking cover, he yelled and motioned to the commander to come and take cover as well. And I know it's not dramatic, and I know there's nothing special, but here's the thing. We're engaged in battle. And whether it's somebody who seems like they're superior or a commanding officer above us, they're still people. Or whether it's us with ourselves, we are spending so much time fighting and bickering one another when we have a common enemy. And all he's doing is trying to divide us so that he can conquer what he wants. Don't play his game. Don't play his game. So Father, as we move forward to take part in this communion, I pray for each and every one of us here. Lord, if there's any offense, if there's any hurt, if there's any wound, Lord, it may be a major wound. It may just be a simple annoyance, but we ask you right now by your Holy Spirit to deal with each and every one of us, to show us the areas. Lord, maybe as Pastor Zach has said, we're holding forgiveness ransom from somebody, waiting for them to pay all. Nobody could pay all. Lord, help us to forgive and to release. And Lord, I pray for the annoyances. I pray for what seems to be an annoyance. There's no division in your body. Father, I pray that we would start turning our heart and asking you, Lord, how do you see that person in your body? What is it about me that's causing me to be frustrated and annoyed by them? I'm ready for you to deal with that. We thank you for this today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.